Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I am your guest, Scott Henson. And we are your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 292. Scott is the Chief Technology Officer at Pecan Street, where he leads the Pecan Street Lab and directs research efforts to study the grid and climate impacts for integrating renewable technologies, electric vehicles, and software-embedded smart devices that will modernize and decarbonize the electric and transportation sectors. So Scott, before we jump into what is Pecan Street, who are you? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, I am uh, the CTO of Pecan Street. Um, I got uh, a degree in electrical engineering uh, a while ago. <laughs> um, I double specialized in uh, power and signals and systems. Um, I, I ended up having to go to the uh, uh, engineering department chair and and because I was signing up for too many engineering classes. Uh, and they were like, well, what, what, what are you doing for your free electives? I was like, no, no, no. I want to give the engineering department more of my money. Um, and that's what convinced them. Uh, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty that's rare pretty convincing, for an engineer right? to be like, I want more engineering. I want more engineering classes. I, like, you, I'm did, take, you didn't fit in their flow chart. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking <laughs> extra math and engineering. Is that okay with you guys? And like, I, 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 sure. Whatever you want. Is there something want, wrong kid. with you, sir? Yeah. Whatever you want, kid. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, uh, after that, um, and this was all sort of, um, I, I don't know how else to say this. It was sort of an unplanned, like I knew I, I wasn't going to be in the fine arts because uh, like the idea of having to take a foreign language in college was horrifying, terrifying, and debilitating. Um, I didn't want to do that. Um, so uh, that, 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 left relatively few choices. Um, uh, I, I didn't actually even necessarily know I wanted it to be electrical engineering. Uh, that just sort of happened. Uh, the original plan was to be a pilot, and I'm not wearing them now, but uh, if I had my glasses on, you would know that that was never going to be the case, <laughs> or at least it shouldn't be. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so I, I sort of toyed with aerospace. Um, I didn't like the, the longer-term career aspects of that. Uh, uh, chemical engineering seemed weird. And so I was like, mechanical, electrical, mechanical, electrical, mechanical, electrical. And I basically chose electrical. So that's, that's who I am. Uh, it sort of stumbled I think that's into an unusual this. way to go about it. Cause usually when at least previous electrical engineers we have on the podcast, they are interested in electronics and that's what drove them. I was. Did you, were you interested at all in electronics beforehand? I or? was. Like, but the thing was is that I didn't understand. Like when I started engineering school, I didn't understand what, what even like how to go about the fundamentals. Like I was good in the physics classes in high school. I was good in the math classes, right? Um, but I was like, why isn't there amplifier design one o, you know, 301? Why isn't there computer design through, I, I, like, I didn't understand how the, the various classes fit into giving you the fundamentals until it was basically too late and I was trapped. Um, <laughs> um, which is too far which, along. It was like, oh, God, how long am I going to be in school if I change now? Um, and so, uh, so, so, yeah. So, I mean, like, like, I would tell people I wanted to be an electrical engineer, but, but until I actually became one, I don't know if I understood what that meant. Like hindsight, <laughs> older Scott needs to go back to, to, to 18 year old Scott and say, okay, 
this is what it is. And an 18 year old Scott, I think would still do it because I've had a grand old time playing with a whole bunch of really cool stuff, right? Like, like I, I possibly have things in satellites, either that or they're at the bottom of the Indian ocean. I don't know. Cause you know, the rockets sometimes go spoosh. Um, uh, I've got stuff, I've had stuff sort of buried 6,000 feet below the, the surface of the earth and trying to survive. So I've gotten to do some really cool engineering challenges and designs since then. Um, and so I don't know, you know, now I'm like, yeah, this was, this was a great choice, but sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, you know? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's good. And, and I, I honestly, I don't care who you are when you're 18, you have no clue. What, no. what you're in for having, no, having no. a 16 year old now yeah yeah i was like <laughs> oh sort of seeing that path through through my my eyes now it's like ooh, okay um i'm gonna try and help you here and i love you dearly um uh and then you're gonna look at me and turn around and walk off and think that guy has no idea what he's talking about and that's that's fair, i mean because i did that too <laughs> exactly i was about to say is when i was 16 18 years old I didn't care who was giving me advice. Yeah. So I was yeah. never going to take it. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was, um, that was, that was the deal. So Scott, when I was in school, I, I actually did pull the plug on my, what I was going for and switched majors like deep into it. So, uh, um, my wife did too. Um, so she, she has enough, if I remember correctly to have like, uh, a minor in a couple of different things at, at this point. <laughs> As she said, she was on the six-year plan with good grades. It was. Uh... <laughs> that's what that's what ended up happening to me. Um, I don't don't regret it though. So, I I changed my major one month in from aerospace to electrical because I was like, aerospace is dumb and electrical is way more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get, get an angry <laughs> email from some aerospace engineers. I know, right? We're gonna, the aerospace engineering hate, hate mail is coming. No, aerospace is super cool. Well, they do some, some amazing stuff, but too, it just it tends to take 10 years to see the results of your work. Yeah, it's also a lot easier as an electrical engineer to do work in your basement than it is as an aerospace. Unless yeah. you're like, I'm an RC plane guy, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or you're Elon Musk. <laughs> or, or have or, Elon Musk or, levels or. of money, I should say. You don't have to be him. I think this should work. You, go make that work. I'm going to make a rocket you, company. You, you thousand <laughs> engineers, go make this yeah. work. <laughs> uh, okay, um, so, Scott, what is... Uh, oh, actually, let's actually start off. Cause it's, is it Pecan or Pecan Street? So... All the employees say Pecan Street because we're from around here. Um, <laughs> I'm based in Austin, Texas, and that's that's what we say here. We always know if if you're from you know Georgia or somewhere else because then the other pronunciations start to 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 come out. But no, we, we all say Pecan Street. Okay. I'm glad that you're on our podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed to remain. <laughs> wow, that was All the right, shortest so, so, podcast ever. He said pecan, and we were done. <laughs> and we're that's done. it. Yeah, 15 minutes. <laughs> so what, what is uh, Pecan Street? Um, so it is a 501c3 nonprofit research organization. 
Um, and, and we have a lot of things that we do, but we're probably in the energy world, uh, we are definitely most famous for the data and that we collect and the data set that we have uh, curated and, and, are, and are sitting on and, and license out to commercial entities, uh, to academic partners around the world. Um, that data is how people use and produce energy, uh, mostly at a residential level. Um, we don't collect what most people think of as, as the normal energy data, like, like a utility smart meter system, right? Might, or most often gets 15 minute reads on a residential structure. Um, so, you know, you can multiply that out and you know how many data points they get. And, and that is big data, right? Especially for some of these larger utilities that might have a couple million residential meters. Um, but that's not how we get to our number of big data. We don't have a million homes that we have instrumentation in. We go in and put equipment inside the circuit panel on every single circuit in the house. And instead of collecting data every 15 minutes, we collect five data points every second. So we collect real power, apparent power, current RMS, phase angle between voltage and current, and current THD on every single circuit in the house every second, which means we have single family houses that generate 10 and a half million data points a day, and we collect about 4 billion with a B data points a day. So that's a lot. <laughs> um, we, have, we have a number of folks where I've had to sort of, um, remember I mentioned that signals and systems background that I have. It comes in very handy when they're talking about, well, we have this one house that has, you know, this, this 18 second gap. And, and I'm like, well, you've got 300 houses that don't. Okay. Like, this is how you deal with this on the data side, right? Um, uh, we have uh, those systems collect uh, and store locally anywhere from three to seven days worth of data on them. And so if there's an internet outage or we lose contact with them, as long as we get that connectivity reestablished, we can actually backfill that data. So we have quite a few homes that have very high data completeness rates, 99.9%. Um, so, so that's what Pecan Street is. Now we do, we do that to a lesser extent because it's, it's a lot harder to do with natural gas and water, but we do have high resolution devices for natural gas and water as well. Um, uh, natural gas and water you're less likely to need to sort of <clears throat> have that ground truth um, detailed measurement on individual devices because there's fewer simultaneous uses of those, of those you know, energy streams, right? Um, if you see an 18 second water event, odds are it's hand washing. If you see 1.3, 1.5, 1.7 gallons, odds are that was a toilet flush, right? So it's a lot easier to sort of if you have high resolution water data, it's sort of a lot easier to pick out individual events and know what they are. If it's 1700 gallons, it was irrigation, right? Like these are, it's, it's pretty easy to spot these things versus electricity. Even if you have very high resolution data for the home, unless it's a big device that sort of pops out of the, the noise, it can be really hard. It can be really, really challenging uh, to go figure out what that, that thing was that just turned on. Yeah, that was that was actually one of the first questions 
that came to mind when you were talking about that 15-minute interval versus five times a second. Uh, <laughs> For every single circuit, that can be 24 circuits in a house. Right, right. So what kind of, da- uh, what kind of I guess, ghost data is lurking in between those two? Uh, like what, like what is the benefit of having that much resolution? Ah, that's a really good question. That's a, and it's a, it's a, uh, it's a better way of asking it than, than most people do. Um, most people just say, why do you need that much data? Um, <laughs> so, so we used to collect one minute data. Um, and, and we, we, that was very useful. In fact, if all you want to know is sort of really detailed information on where energy is going into a house uh, during the the day in day out operation of that structure. One minute data is good, but if you want to start really understanding the interaction between solar and batteries, or if your super fancy um, uh, algorithmic control systems for thermostatic loads are responding in time. A minute may not be enough. For instance, in Texas, right? Um, and, and you guys are sitting in Texas, right? So we're all we're all on ERCOT. Um, I feel bad for them. I also, you know, I, I, I am. Steve, I'm, I'm, I'm in Colorado. Colorado. Oh, okay. So so in in ERCOT, um, and I have friends that work there. I, I feel bad for them because you know we we went through what we went through this winter, and and um, yeah, that was bad. Um, and. Uh, ERCOT has a five-minute nodal market. So they're making wholesale purchase-sell decisions on electricity on a five-minute settlement basis. And if you're studying something for one minute, you've lost 20% of your time, potentially, for that, for that marketplace. So as the marketplace gets faster and faster and as the interaction between devices right solar can go from full production to no production in 10 seconds um uh uh, or and vice versa right um now you need to start collecting faster and faster data to to understand the interaction between those devices because one of my long-term concerns is grid stability with intermittent resources and so to to truly understand the 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 up down of all these things you you can't have an aliasing problem and and just lose all that information by taking 15 minute averages. It's fine for billing. It's not fine for operations. Yeah, I'm imagining like a future where like everyone's house has solar panels on top, right? Mm-hmm. And then just a big cloud, just just one cloud though. It's just cruising across the city, blanketing couple couple of the uh, roofs at a time, causing oh, well, local outages. We. I mean, like, as part of our uh, our privacy agreement with our volunteer participants who allow us to monitor their homes, um, we don't give out locational information, but we have it, right? And and very early on, we sort of did um, we did some geospatial views, and we you just watch the cloud cover roll through a neighborhood. You're like, oh, there's one. There goes another one. There goes another one. <laughs> and you just like, oh, oh, that's where they were. Okay. <laughs> Shadow tracker. Pretty much. I mean, it, and then, and then, of course, if you look at the like the daily production, you know, kilowatt hours per kilowatt peak installed for equal azimuth and tilt, right? If it, they're all, they all work out to be roughly the same. The longer you average, right, over a couple of days, they they tend to be very close. But 
on any given minute, on any given hour, your production values can be very different and the decisions on what you do, especially if you've got energy storage involved to try and balance this, can be very different. Because you, you don't want to position that battery poorly and have it full when you desperately need to put more energy into it or the more common problem of having it empty when you desperately need to get more energy out of it, right? Um, either of them are bad. One is probably a hair bit worse. So what do you do with all this data? Um, so, yeah, actually, that's, that's the thing. You're collecting, or Pecan Street's there, is, you're, you're on each uh, circuit in the house. Right. What does that enable the users to do with that data? I guess is a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so we have a few dedicated participants, um, and in case any of them ever see this, Thank you for volunteering. Like, seriously, we couldn't do this without our volunteer participants. Um, and and uh, we have a few dedicated participants that actively watch their data. We have a larger subset of participants that know that they have access to it. And, meh, you know, it's it's too much information. Um, uh, and, and, and or they just don't understand it. They know it's important and that we have, you know, like 2,000 or maybe 2,500 at this point, academic researchers worldwide that have accessed it to, to, to try and hundreds of peer-reviewed papers have come out of this data, right? Um, uh, so the, the users, there are some dedicated users and we'll get calls of like, I think my solar system is not working as well. Can you help? Or um, uh, I got rid of my first uh, uh, all electric plug-in vehicle and I've got this new one just so you know I've got a different one now you're going to see the charging patterns change it's going to be more or less power or whatever right so so we do have people that use it and track it and and some of those folks we've noticed that they can get very low levels of sort of background uh, total energy and power usage right um, so you know they're they're the ones sort of going around making sure that anything that that has a significant vampire power footprint and they're diligently turning all that stuff off. We I see was about to say, my dad would love this. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is like the, the, the like super advanced version of don't touch my thermostat. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then there's, then there's houses like mine that have children um, whose fingers, little known fact, can turn switches on, but not off. <laughs> um, um, and so you can see when when I end my work day and go around and shut a bunch of stuff off of the house because the whole other <laughs> and stair Yellow step, step function. Yeah. So yeah. So so that's I mean that's like the the user um, uh, uh, or the the volunteer participant. That's what they're looking at from a. Uh, academic perspective or a, a commercial research perspective, these homes now form test beds where they can go in, install stuff, do demand response, do battery uh, integrations, all sorts of stuff, and see what the difference is to the grid for those homes. Um, if if you had just one home, what if you what if you expanded that to a hundred, like a thousand, ten thousand? What does this do to the electrical system in terms of of uh, peak requirements or emissions or something like that. So there, and there's a bunch of different, like we have over the years, we've had a bunch of different programs. Some I can talk about cause they're sort of public knowledge. 
Um, others are covered under NDA, and I unfortunately can't, because um, you know, and 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 unfortunately, some of those are the, the coolest, of course, because they're covered under NDA, right? Um, but but there's been a ton of 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 trials of various demand response and battery, like we did one with Austin Energy. Uh, where we compared um, uh, residential energy storage to commercial scale energy storage to uh, utility scale energy storage, um, and and if it works right, the uh, price even at the prices of of like a year and a half ago for for energy storage systems, uh, if if the if the ERCOT pricing um, gets flowed down to the owner of that battery, the batteries can pay for themselves very quickly, very quickly, a couple of years. Right. And so um, the, the, there is an economic reason to do this. There's also an emissions reason to do it. Basically storing power when you can't on wind and, and solar. Right, and, right, right, right. So yeah. for these homes, you know, you could if you if you just wanted to do it sort of. Uh, your most basic, simplest way you uh, charge the batteries over a four to six hour period at night when wind energy is most plentiful on the, the Texas grid and the prices are the lowest. And then you discharge them uh, in a two hour window in the afternoons in the summer, right? Uh, and, and that alone, right? You don't, need like fancy, you don't need fancy AI or ML to predict that it's gonna be hot and there's gonna be a lot of air conditioning usage between four and 6 p.m. I was about to say, I was, I was going to say five to seven, but yeah, four, six, probably it's, yeah, most it, normal people. Yeah. So, so what they're worried about in Texas is that, um, that, uh, what's known as the, the four coincident peaks. So the 15 worst minutes in June, July, August, and September. Uh, and if you look at it, like for the last 10 years, 98% of them have happened between, I think, 345 and 545, or maybe it's 415 to 515 or 615. I forget, forget the exact time frame, but like there's a, there's a two hour window where if you've got a two hour resource, you don't need to do AI machine learning. Now, if you have a, a 30 minute resource, right? Now it's a lot harder. Now you have to pick the right 30 minutes to deploy that resource. Um, but if you've got a two hour resource, eh, just run it. <laughs> yeah. I, I worked at the power company uh, back in college, um, one, one of the ones up in uh, Dallas Fort Worth area. And Encore? it was impressive to see the. Uh, oh, what was yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it was Encore. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was impressive to see the load chart during the day. You know, like, yeah, up to, you know, around noon, it's, you know, it's at some level. And it is a step function when people yeah, get it home just... from work. It just skyrockets because yep. every AC comes on, every TV comes on, every computer turns on, yep. like, all within an hour. Yep. Uh, we, we actually saw, so for like, um, one of the things that, you know, the other, like some of the cooler stuff that I can talk about that the data has been used for is there was a, I think it was an economist at UT that did this. Maybe it was sociology department, which kind of blew my mind because it's not engineering, right? Um, looked at it and, and realized that they could predict if it was going to be bad traffic the next day by if people were en masse staying up later. And the way they looked at that was uh, device usage in the homes. And so if they stayed up later, then they realized everybody's going to sleep in and wait till the last possible minute to leave to go to work, and traffic was worse the, the next morning. So there was a very strong cause. I need access to that data. 
<laughs> there was uh, there was a very strong uh, cause and effect. We actually looked at it at the start of COVID, right? So last March or two Marches ago, I guess now. Oh, it's too long. Um, uh, and and like electric vehicle charging plummeted like ninety percent overnight the day after uh, the city of Austin mayor canceled South by Southwest. That was the moment our participants were like, whoa, we have to stay home. And then we yeah, saw- Yeah, our music's gone. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, oh, I'm not even gonna go, I'm not even gonna go to the grocery store. I can't even yeah, get to the- I've, I've given up. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and like, you know, since we, we'd go circuit by circuit, we could pull out car charging from the mix. We could pull out air conditioning usage from the mix. We could pull out what few homes have electric water heating and stuff like that. Basically, we got to what we call the everything else category. And that tells you sort of what people are doing. And you used to see this sort of ramp at 530 in the morning where people would start to get up and it would sort of plateau at about 630. And then um, it would ramp up again about three o'clock when people got home, for, when kids got home from school. And then it would ramp up again slowly till about 830, 9 o'clock at night. And that profile, when, you know, because people wouldn't all pre-COVID, you know, it, it wasn't hang out at home uh, in the evening. It was go to the movies, go to the grocery store, go to the shopping center, et cetera, et cetera, all of these things. Well, none of that was happening. And then we saw people staying up later. So we watched the whole pattern shift. Overnight, we saw refrigerator usage go up like 20% because we were all being little piggies and sort of hanging out at the, <laughs> uh, at the refrigerator and hitting it a little more often. My kids took inventory regularly, right? Like, like we, we haven't gone to the store. <laughs> nothing has changed in the last hour. You didn't take anything out. Nothing else has gone in. It's still the same. Um, See, they're just curious if that light stays on when the door's closed. <laughs> well, I can tell you that it shuts off. I can tell you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we, 20 million in, in foundational private grants, uh, DOE grants and, and, um, uh, uh, commercial research grants. And I can tell you that light does go off. <laughs> That's the answer. You know, okay. So, so you just, you just mentioned that, that you were able to, uh, identify, you know, um, this is this is this event is AC turning on. This event mm -hmm. is electric car charging, things like that. Mm -hmm. When you install these trackers uh, on each circuit, are you identifying the the circuits at that time, or are you pulling yep. that data out from the data? Um, a little bit of mostly. Mostly, we understand our our master electrician. We actually have one on staff. We're we're, we're a nonprofit licensed electrical service contractor in the state of Texas. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, which is an odd place to be. Um, but they tag the circuits for their but use. But they'll go right? through, the, they, um, uh, Richard knows to go through and check all these circuits and tag them. And so our participants also know that their circuits are more right because they're never right. Um, uh, from the, <laughs> I, right. I don't know why that's so correct. Like every single house I've ever been to or help friends do electrical work and stuff, those, those fuse or, uh, Circuit breaker boxes are never correct. Yeah, it's it's I I think it's a big gag at this point. Like I I don't know either. Um, um, but but yeah, so we'll go through and we'll check. And then after looking at these things, and, and here's the the crazy part for all of this. After looking at these things for all these years, right? We have quite a few um, uh, 
advanced sort of analytics that run on this stuff in the background, make sure that data is valid and good and things like that. But we, every single house we add, we still put a set of eyes on it. And at the end of the day, we go, yep, that looks like a dishwasher. Yep, that looks like a refrigerator. Yep, that looks like an air conditioner. Yep, that looks like a whatever it is. And we still end up having to put a set of eyes on it because like there's every once in a while something slips through and you're like, what the heck is happening in this house? That can't be. Yeah, that, that's Parker welding for 12 hours straight. <laughs> well, you can't you can't see it because I've got the thing facing this way, but I have power tools to make all these speakers. Right. So there's a yeah. three horsepower Delta Unisaw sitting over there. There's a CNC machine <laughs> sitting over that way. I I. I know for a fact that the folks that have looked at my house for, for disaggregation purposes are like, what the heck is this? This is it in normal. The outlier bucket. <laughs> <laughs> this, this needs to go into the outlier bucket on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. So, so I'm curious, uh, does it, if you were to boil it all down, are humans more predictable than we think? Oh yeah. Yeah. More predictable like, than we'd like to think we are. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Um, sure. We have a, we have a, if, if, if anybody that listens goes to pecanstreet.org um, and goes to our news blog series, if you go back about 18 months and go to our COVID uh, patterns uh, blog thing, and I'll, and I'll have to shoot you guys a link later to this thing. It shows you that everything else category. Um, and year on year in year out pre COVID does not change and we compared it like there's there's a weekday pattern and there's a weekend pattern and they they are they are really really steady so can we talk about the hardware that y'all install oh sure so the hard, hardware device challenges for this because monitoring oh, they, energy they are usage... many <laughs> so so monitoring energy also requires energy and right. uses energy so how how do y'all you have this installed on each circuit in the house mm -hmm. in in someone's circuit breaker so i'm imagine like there's not a lot of room in a circuit breaker so how do you make all that equipment fit so uh it has changed over the years um and and this actually is is when we open new test beds because we're you know like I've said for years, when we first got started, we had a known geographical bias. We had most of our, most of our volunteer participants were in Texas. Okay. <laughs> well, weather in Texas is different than other places, right? And, and so eventually we got test beds started in upstate New York and Northern California. And so we started to remove some of that um, geographic bias. The Texas we, bias? Yeah. We also have... Um, socioeconomic bias, right? Because uh, at, especially at the beginning, we purposely went for homes that, that we were getting solar rebates, getting electric vehicle rebates and things like that. So what I, what, you know, I will often say at presentations is we understand how doctors, lawyers, and engineers use data or use energy. Um, to take this back to the installation and the equipment, when we recruit these test beds, one of the biggest challenges we have is, are we going to be compatible with what's already there? 
and are we going to have networking sufficient enough to get our data out, right? So it's, it's like 100 megabytes a day. So it's not gigantic, right? But if this is somebody depending on cellular data for their home, we don't, we don't want to impose that on them, right? Um, it has to be a broadband connection without data limits, right? So that, that there's, no, there's no imposition on, the, on the, the participant. And the way the rules, and this is, a, this is a broad generalization, so if there's a master electrician listening, understand that, that I'm trying to keep the rules short. <laughs> uh, when you go in and you do work on an electrical panel, the electrician is, is responsible to leave it to more, you know, a certain level of modern code if they go in and they take that panel cover off, all right? So there have been some times where we've had older properties where um, our electrician walks up to it and realizes it's like a 1940s vintage circuit distribution panel with like four circuits and their fuses. And he's like, I, I can't touch I don't this. want to take that cover off. I can't touch this, <laughs> right? Like I, yeah. if I could take this cover off, I, I have to, to put in a new panel for you, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, so there's some difficulties there. And up until about two years ago, we, there, the fill rules, how much space you could allowed us to go inside. The CTs themselves are tiny and they're split core, so we don't have to take wires off. The measurement box itself only consumes about six watts and it's about this big. Um, and so it's, it's relatively easy to go in there, but now we usually put a, a NEMA rated enclosure next to it. Uh, there's two sets of conduit, one for mains, one for the CTs, um, depends on the jurisdiction. Some allow you to, to run simultaneously because it's, it doesn't qualify as communications cables. It's, it's, it's monitoring, uh, or measurement wiring. So even though it's low voltage and high voltage in the same conduit, you can still do it. Um, so it just depends on, on the rules of, of the jurisdiction that you're in. But that's, that's how that all works. Um, it, and, and it is a, every few months, we're like, oh, what is, what's City doing? Oh, okay. That changes for us now there. For the future, we have to do something different. <laughs> so is, is the actual data acquisition box something of uh, your, your design? Or is no, it's, an it's uh, commercially available. Uh, and we talk about it all the time. It's called eGage. Um, and if any of the e-gauge folks, they're actually out in Colorado with you, uh, Stephen, uh, they're oh, cool. in Boulder. Um, if any, any of the e-gauge folks are watching, hi, um, <laughs> um, we've got, um, uh, we, you know, we've, that's the, the best one that we've used. Uh, it's the one that's got the most storage and they've got, uh, one of the more advanced APIs, uh, to access the thing. Very cool. Yeah. I'm checking out the website right now. So now our water device, that's something that we, we developed. Um, and there's some commercial ones that are use very similar technologies, but it's, it's basically something that uses, uh, and I don't have my cell phone within reach, but it's the, the same sort of type of chipset that's the compass in your cell phone. They're very, very sensitive magnetic field transducers, uh, mm -hmm. very low power usage because they have to, to work on cell phones. And, and the way a water meter works is as the water flows through, it spins a, a, an impeller dealy with a, disc magnet on it that's north south north south right and there's a register set that goes on top of that and it's got another magnet and they north south link up and then they can spin each other so if the register gets broken you don't have to cut pipe and put a new meter in those meters are expensive and big and bulky and brass and heavy duty and last 50 years right um but the the register set can 
can be uh, much more easily removed. And even though those magnets are linked up with each other, there's enough residual flux escaping that's got a polarity flip that as it spins, we can watch every single rotation. So that's about four ounces for most residential water meters. So, so that oh, one was, that, cool. was, that was a cool one that we did. In fact, um, uh, uh, I don't even think you guys know this. So this isn't the, the adver- macrofab advertising uh, hour. <laughs> But Macrofab <laughs> built all those boards for us. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, um, but yeah, that was that was a, a program that we did a few years back for for the state of Texas for a water conservation research effort. Very cool. Is it, is it a similar setup for the gas meters? Are you reading the off gas the meters? meters very wildly? Um, so there are there are unencrypted um, chirp technologies on gas meters. There are encrypted ones that. Um, uh, we can uh, get access to. There's a whole, the gas meters are, are a different animal altogether. Um, uh, and gas meters are totalizers, and so are water meters typically. They're totalizers. So every time the flow goes up by a certain amount, it sends out the new total. That way, if you miss literally hundreds or thousands of reads, right, you still know what you should the have total built amount. them for, yeah. right? Um, versus the thing and, that actually matters to the, those companies. So yeah, to the utilities, right? Um, yeah. the, the catch with, and, and I feel bad for them. Um, the catch is, is that the water utilities are typically the lowest funded utilities for any city. Um, uh, and so they have the, the smallest research budget. So their, their metering technology is typically lagging the other two major utilities. And I really do feel bad for them because it's not like those water, like, like I've talked to a number of different municipal water departments and they're all like, man, I wish I had this kind of data. Um, and then they sort of sit there and think, well, I'd also need the data scientists to, to, to do stuff with that data. But if we had both, if we had the data and the data <laughs> scientists, we could do a lot. <laughs> that, that, that string of ifs is actually probably quite a bit longer than just two, if this and if that. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> big data, you know, go find, go find big data people. Like they're, they're in super high demand, right? They're, they're. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause well, I and, imagine and if I'm, you could, if you had that, I'm just trying to think of what they could do. And you would basically, you could figure out when your high demand of water is and make sure your, your towers are filled for those points, but then fill up oh, your it's, towers. It's more, it's, 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 it's even more basic needs than that, actually. Um, and this is a semi horrifying statistic. Uh, it, there are, there are municipal water places that don't know where 15 to 20% of their water goes. Like they know they <laughs> shove it into the system and then they can sum up all their that's, meters. That's worse than what I was saying too. Yeah. Like they're like, you, you could, I don't know where it went. Um, I mean like, like the water main, for my house hasn't been touched in probably 60 years. And you know, it's got micro fissures and cracks and stuff like that. So uh, one of the reasons that we got all those boil notices for, for the, the winter storm is because if the pressure drops low enough, they'll actually have backflow into the pipes. And now you can't guarantee water cleanliness so there's there's a whole like as soon as we lost power my i was like all right fill up every bucket in the house every pot every pant like we're gonna need drinking water like like knowing what i know 
I'm like, okay, there's a triage of things that we need to do here. <laughs> Food is actually not at the top of them. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, that's, that's actually kind of gross if you think about it. <laughs> Oh, it's and yeah, and that's and and you're like, oh, should I really be boiling the water? Yes, yes, you really should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so engineer Bob in our Twitch chat says, uh, I was a little confused. Are these meters connected to an internet connection, or does a person have to go out and download the data for reporting? No, they're, con they're connected to the internet, correct? They're con they're connected to an internet connection, and in fact, um, we use a power line carrier um, to. So we've got uh, the the e gauges. The newest ones will have an Ethernet connector on the side of them, and you can you can direct connect that way. But uh, a lot of them, uh, the older style, have power line carrier uh, connectivity to them, um, and so then we just have a, a power line carrier modem that that plugs in uh, uh, next to the to the router, and off we go. Um, and so yeah, we we couldn't we couldn't get this kind of data if we had to to truck roll every every, every time we wanted to download data. There'd be no way. I mean. When we upgraded to, to one second data, we bought a petabyte of hard drives. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that <laughs> we just, we just can't. Uh, so I, I guess my, the expand on that. So let's say the water meter, cause that's usually out in your yard, right? Are those battery powered or are you running power out there? Yep. Battery powered. And that's why we, we ended up going with a, I mean, we, the, the, we, th by pure calculation, we sh we should have ten year battery life on those devices. I'd say if we really in real life with temperature fluctuations over the course of the year and stuff like that, and frankly even like you know um, the 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 in molded enclosures with seals and these sorts of things, um, the moisture vapor transmission rates into these enclosures will mean that there's some leakage current stuff like that. I, I'd if we get five or six, I'm, a, I'd be ecstatic. Um, uh, <laughs> right. Texas is a rough environment. <laughs> uh, and, and I mean, like, like where you, uh, and, and not only that, but it's, it's an RF signal. And if that pit floods, you're not getting that RF signal out. It's got a metal lid 99% of the time. So that makes it fun, right? Low E glass windows also are, you know, don't, don't let that, frequency range through that we can transmit in um so if it's a really efficient house we have the, the issue and then if if it god forbid it's a stucco house because that's that's you know a, a wire mesh that forms a really good faraday cage to these sorts of things um so i mean that those are the water measurements are really really challenging which is why you know i i again i feel bad for the um the water meter folks because there's a number of commercial companies that are working on this but it is not going to be an inexpensive solution, and and I doubt it will ever be as easy and as complete as the electricity data. Yeah, it's I, most homeowners don't spend as much on their water bill as their electricity bill. That's true too. That's not where the money goes, right? The money's yeah. not going to natural gas. The money's not going to the water. The the big dollar bill of the three yeah. is the electricity. Well, yeah. you're not sending signals over water, also. No, so, uh, no, we're not. So it's a lot easier on the electric. <laughs> Is that Morse code? What's coming? At, why is it coming out of the sink like that? <laughs> I'm sure the baud rate of water is really low. <laughs> I'm just imagining trying to send a signal through a water hammer style system. We're <laughs> just pulsing the water. Yeah. yeah, it's just like a diaphragm that hammers the water. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
I'm, so now, now I actually want to do this just to do it. But anyway, yeah, to prove it. <laughs> so, so Engineer Bob's got one, oh, another question. Is sure. So how do y'all deal with security updates to your boxes if y'all do updates? <sighs> I imagine we, that's on on the the OEM for the those boxes. Um, it is, but um, this is one of the reasons. Like, like you know, they'll push updates to just privately owned e gauges. Uh, we actually we actually push the updates to ours um and we don't we don't update every time um uh like we don't we don't send every update because if there's a change to the api it's like ah oh, we just we just updated and we just redid everything well i don't want to redo it again um yeah security i mean security is one of those things where um and and uh you know i am not a cybersecurity expert um uh but I, I, I stayed at a Holiday Express last night. No, I took a couple classes in it in, in college. And it's one of those things where our data boils down to um, the value of an individual data stream um, right then. Ver, you know, like, like if you did get access to it, what could that tell you? And how important is that? It, and and, and in, in reality, we're not sure it tells you all that much because homes... Um, electricity patterns are so complex that you have to know what you're looking for to determine occupancy, right? So just, just having access to, oh, well, it's four kilowatts right now. That doesn't tell you occupancy, right? I mean, but, you can, so on that, just on, on that same line of thought, you can just like walk in someone's backyard and look at their meter. Or you could stand in the street <laughs> and see if their lights are on, right? Like, like this yeah. is, <laughs> there's way easier ways to tell. Um, and, and, oh, and their so, toilet hasn't flushed in four hours. They must not be home. Right. You know, um, uh, conversely, conversely, we actually see, you know, to, to sort of flip this around, right? We actually see um, uh, there are implications for health and wellness, right? Like, Oh, you know, grandma's energy use pattern has changed over the last couple of days and she says she's fine. We might really want to go check on her, right? Those kinds of things. So there's, mm -hmm. you know, like most things, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. What are you going to use them for? Um, and there's some, there's some true value um, uh, and, and wellness type things that you could do with it. Conversely, it, the, other, the other example that we've given uh, years ago um, was if you did have high resolution um, uh, uh, water usage and you knew about those toilet flushes and both parents are, are out of town and they've got a, a high school age kid and all of a sudden that <laughs> that side bathroom's getting flushed 50 times an hour, somebody's having a party, right? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> they're probably not doing what they're supposed to be doing right now. The kids get smart and they're just like, go in the backyard. My parents are monitoring the toilets right now. Like, uh, <laughs> well, okay. So we, we also have transportation research that we do. Um, and we did a pricing trial for, for uh, electrification of uh, that last mile link between like where a bus stop is and where the, the front door is, right? Uh, and, we, and the pricing trial um, got completely blown up by a group of high schoolers we had to remove like 40% of the rides to find out what the, the, um, the actual value of this was. So the app for about a six week period that we had, we, we did a phone app and the app would randomly assign you a price and say, well, we're in the trial tracing. Are you willing to pay 50 cents or a dollar for this ride? We'd 
our office was within sight of the school bus stop. And we'd watch like 15 high schoolers all stand in a circle with their phones and keep hitting refresh until somebody got the free ride. And then they all piled into the one shot. <laughs> they just gamed the system. <laughs> they totally gamed the system. And it took them like two days. Like it, it, it happened so fast. And you had a table full of software developers and engineers that were watching it happen. And we, cause we could see the, we could see the, the dollar values coming into the database. Right. And we're like, Oh my God, they just broke it. That's and, and, and like the software folks were mad and I was like, that's awesome. That is so cool. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Oh, and then like one day I actually, and the, the, the former head of software, like we, we went out there and we talked to them and they're like, is this what you're doing? And they're like, oh yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> like, all right, we thought so. We just wanted to double check. And they're like, are you mad at us? And we're like, uh, you, like we're we're not telling you if we're mad or not, right? Because we don't want to we don't want to we don't want to bias the 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 behavior. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that story. It was so much fun to watch watch happen because it was it also sort of coincided with the Pokemon craze. So at first we were like, are they all playing Pokemon really intently? No, because this mattered. This was going to save them twenty five cents. <laughs> You got a lot of time on your hands as a as a high school student. I guess. <laughs> so so I'm curious, how much data do you have? Like, what is what like going back? How far? Uh, uh, how for the one data minute data, data, some of it goes back almost nine years. So okay. we can actually watch home envelopes age. Oh wow! So you can see appliances get less efficient and insulation and air conditioning units and all sorts of things. And we can watch solar panels degrade. We can, we have, we have really cool data on some of that stuff. Okay. So that code sort of leads into the next, next thing. Um, the, the analytics side of my mind is like, I would love to see this data. Is right. that something that someone can go look at your data or, so we have commercial licenses, which, which I won't talk about pricing, but they're not, they're not cheap, right? I mean, this is not a, a, an inexpensive data collection operation. Um, we have academic licenses that are very, very low cost. So if you're part of an unfunded research, so if you're like doing your master's or your doctoral thesis, and you're just trying to do a bit of research based on, on this theory you've had, and you're trying to write this thing up, and you're not part of some sort of DOE grant for the department, um, or, you know, uh, a funded bit from Duke Energy or whatever, right? Um, then, then those folks have uh, data sets for like 75 homes for a year for free at one second. And they're massive files. Like, like they, and we also, we make it easy on them. Like we give them the, the one second, which is a massive set of files, and, and compresses down to, to something very reasonable. Um, and then they uncompress it and they go, Whoa. Um, uh, and then we also give them sort of one minute and 15 minute, um, a, you know, uh, averaged snapshots, uh, chunks, snapshots for it because, because, you know, eventually you figure out how to work with a one second data, but I, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten the call. Um, well, Excel is giving me this error and I'm seeing the bottom right hand corner of a spreadsheet. I didn't know that existed. 
Um, and I'm like, you can't, you can't use Excel for this, right? Like even yeah. MATLAB and Scilab start to start to cough. Um, we set, we actually set up a, a Jupyter Hub environment for researchers to go manipulate the data in, uh, and we spent a fortune on that server. Um, and so, if there's anybody that ever listens to this that 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 doesn't realize we have that resource for our academic partners, please go log into it. Please go spend C our CPU cycles because we have it for you um, uh, and things like that. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's f for the academic folks. Um, one of these days I need to sort of talk, talk with the, the leadership team and sort of say, all right, I think it would be handy for everybody involved to sort of have like a, uh, a one home, one week, one minute data set to just go look at so they knew what this looked like for curiosity's sake. But we have a ton of, we have a ton of blog posts and things like that on our website that have examples of this data. So you can go see what it looks like. It's fascinating. I think, yeah, I think that would be really, really interesting if, if on the website there was something like that where you just like some even tables or charts or something. Yeah, we got a ton. We got it like, like, like we just released a, 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 an analysis that we did on um, if, if you are gonna fully electrify a home, are people's circuit panels large enough to do it? Um, we did one a couple of weeks ago on uh, power factor, because uh, we've seen that like energy efficiency of devices is getting better and better all the time, and they should, right? But the, the power factor, you know, the, the distribution utility folks want a house to be sitting there at 0.95. You know, one's perfect, 0.95 would be great. And we see houses sitting there at 0.7 all the time. Well, why? Well, all these really efficient CFL and LED light bulbs with their switch mode power supplies, a lot of them aren't power factor corrected. They have tremendously high harmonic distortion. I have a, I have a, the name brand, I'll protect the name, the brand because, <laughs> protect the guilty by, by anonymity. Uh, but I have a direct drive washing machine that when, you know, cause I'm me and I'm a nerd, uh, when I plugged it in, I put a, um, power quality unit on it because I was like, direct drives can be really bad. It is a power factor 0.47. Actually, when, I know what brand you're talking about. Cause I had one of those washers. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it is like it. And, and it's like when that drum is really spinning hard, it's like a one and a half KVA load, not yeah. a lot of Watts. And, and we used to have a, a toaster oven on that circuit and, and it kept popping, like kept popping the breaker because the amperage <laughs> was so high. I was like, I was like, okay, well now I understand why. Okay. So I um, thought you were going to say there was a bunch of weirdos with like inductors just plugged into the line in their basement or like just motors all over the place. No, but what we've seen is <laughs> like, like a lot of like, we've had, we've had academic researchers come back to us and say, your phase angle is wrong. Well, why do you say that? Well, uh, I was looking at this refrigerator and since that's a motor, it needs to be inductive and you're showing it as capacitive or I'm looking at this lighting circuit and that should be resistive and you're showing it to be capacitive. I was like, well, that's because they are. Well, they can't be. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they are. When you have those, those variable speed drives and those, those electronic frequency controlled drives and those switching power supplies, very often those devices that used to be inductive can, can easily swing capacitive. And then you get into this wild spot where the house will switch capacitive to inductive 70 times a day as the air conditioner turns on. 
And so you're just, you just watch the thing go lead lag, lead lag, lead lag. And, and if you're a utility distribution person, in some respects, it almost doesn't matter to you because if you get a bunch of houses, they're sort of, they're, they're they, averaging they average out, out. <laughs> right? But in some respects, you really have to start watching when you get solar into the mix because solar injects a bunch of real power. It doesn't correct for the harmonic distortion issue. And now you're sitting there and you've got a one KVAR load to this house with no real power. So you've got a resonant circuit with no damping. So, so it's like, all right, long-term, that's unsustainable. We have to do something yeah, about this. Yeah, they love this. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell, tell a distribution engineer that his entire load is going to be non-60 hertz and reactive and, and see, <laughs> see, see if they like you for very long. <laughs> So Scott, what are you looking forward to most in the future of either what you're doing now or with Pecan Street in general? Um, I am really looking forward to uh, um, accelerating the adoption of uh, electrification of transportation. I am looking forward to trying to do that as best I can in an equitable manner. Like I'm trying to figure out financial systems that don't penalize folks because they can't just go buy a Tesla or a BMW or a Mach-E, right? I, Pecan Street, over the course of its lifetime, has purchased several electric vehicles. They are so inexpensive to own, but the barrier to entry is quite high. You know, I mean, we've got, we've got, 10 year old vehicles that have had less than 2k of maintenance done to them right so it's like ah but but oh they i know, know all about car maintenance so yeah right so so yeah. so there's we've we've got to figure out ways to to work around that um i'm very excited to play with the controls around battery uh energy storage and um, uh, controllable shiftable loads, what you can shift versus what needs to, to actually turn on when you ask it to. Like, you, you can't shift cooking, right? If you want that stove to turn on, it's got to turn on. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that can shift, and I think that there's a lot of hay to be made in terms of sort of leveling that load so it's not nearly as dynamic, and then all of a sudden your, your emissions go down because you don't have to be able to have peakers. You don't have to have peakers. You don't, there's a whole bunch that we can do there. Uh, I'm hoping that there is, um, with the most recent IPCC reports uh, being as dire as they are, I'm hoping that there's more emphasis on those sorts of things because there's a lot of, of benefit to be had there. Well, thank you, Scott, for joining us on this uh, on this podcast. Talk about Pecan no problem. Street thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah, and we're gonna have to get you on in the future because I think talking about uh, like electrification, transportation, and energy storage would be a really cool topics for the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd, I'd love to do that. We've done a lot of research around that, and uh, we've got a, a few more programs coming up, uh, we're hoping, cross our fingers. So, so Scott, where can people find more about you and Pecan Street? Uh, go to the Pecan Street website at pecanstreet.org. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn um, or Twitter, Scott Henson one um, uh, Apparently, I was not the first Scott Henson, I was the second um on twitter uh but but any of those places uh um yeah, connect with me and i'd be if if anybody has more questions i'd be happy to answer them well, one more quick thing before we sign out um 
if somebody wanted to participate, if someone wanted to get probes all over their their house, uh, how, how how could they get on in on that? Call the aliens. Take off the tinfoil. No. Um, uh, so we have uh, on our website pecanstreet.org, and we are org. We are a nonprofit. Um, in the top right hand corner, it's part. There's a participate link, um, and I think it's top right. Um, uh, and um, if we have an open program that is funny, we don't, we don't have, I wish we had sustaining funding to just sort of continually go install, but we don't have that. But the moment that we, we keep lists of what you're interested in and stuff like that. And the moment we do get a program to go do something, we go through the list and say, who needs a call? These people. Very cool. And with that, Scott, you want to sign us out? Oh, sure. Um, I don't, don't remember. Oh, there it is. I got it. Uh, that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, and I was your guest, Scott Hinson. And we're your hosts, Parker Doman and Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you. <laughs>